Hey everybody, for our second episode, we thought it would be a good idea to talk about the local economic impact of COVID-19 right here in Kingston and the Islands. And who better to speak with than Hugh McKenzie? Hugh is the operator of the Kingston Thousand Island Cruises for the last three decades. And before that, he spent a decade in tourism outside of the Kingston area. Hugh has a really good understanding of small business and the implications of what something like COVID-19 means to small businesses. So without further ado, let's have a chat with Hugh McKenzie. Um, I guess where I would start is, is my first question is about, you know, you've been in the tourism industry for, um, you know, roughly three decades, four decades now uh, in, uh, uh, in the Kingston area. How concerned does this make you um, now? Uh, what, what's going on and what we're seeing with COVID-19 and the impacts that it's going to have in the tourism sector in Kingston? Well, I think it's going to have long-term impacts. I didn't feel so at the start. I felt that this was going to be a blip along the road like 2003 with, with SARS. Um, but now I have more fears that there's going to be some sort of lingering aspect about getting together in large groups. I mean, we have a 275 passenger vessel. We have um, 150 passenger dinner crews on the Island Star. And uh, they're lovely events and, and people get a lot of spirit and enjoyment over the collective ambience and, and uh, environment and entertainment and atmosphere that are on board the boats. But is there going to be a lingering sense that, hmm, uh, large group gatherings. Um, I hope not, but you yeah. know, if you're if you're being a pessimist, you'd say this will have a a longer term because, impact, and it's so. Mm -hmm. No, I was just going to say because the other aspect to it is that it's not just when the um, like tourism is an is an interesting sector. Um, it's not yeah. just when the province decides, hey, we're going to start to um, end the feds. We're going to start to um, scale back on on some of those uh, in, um, measures that have been put in place. But then there's also yep. the psychological part of it. And just like what you're saying, yep. all of these people who have been spending, you know, a few months by this point in isolation, now will start to question themselves when it comes time to, do I really want to get on this boat with, you know, 200 other strangers and sit in such close proximity to people? It's almost like it's like a rebuilding of tourism, like mentality. And when my optimistic side comes in, I say, well, there's going to be such pent-up demand for people to get out and enjoy nature and get out and, and enjoy fresh air and, and enjoy uh, the entertainment aspect because a crowd environment, like I was talking to my son about this, about hockey games, maybe hockey games, but there have to be half as many uh, uh, people in, in uh, I was going to say Maple Leaf Gardens, but you know what I mean, you're with Leaf games or, or Senators games, and he said, "No, no, that would never happen. That would be take away from from the atmosphere, from the 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 feeling of uh, of an event." So, um, yeah, I, I just don't think we we'll uh, we'll know. Their COVID nineteen impacts are going to have long term societal uh, effects, and we're we're just guessing at this stage. We know going into this season. Uh, that we are having a phenomenal advanced booking and enthusiasm. And uh, our numbers six weeks ago looked like we were on par for a record season. So um, I, there's the other impact that, that people will do less international travel, less travel to the U.S. 
I think the U.S. is going to take longer to come out of this than than we are. Um, so all of those things point to a rebound that might be robust, but I don't think that's going to be a rebound that we will see a lot of uh, in in July or August or whenever we're allowed to operate. Transport Canada, just uh, as you're aware, probably um, released uh, an announcement uh, today that passenger vessels have to suspend operations till the end of June, at least. At least. So, yeah. yeah, at least, yeah. So let's just put this into context then. Um, and you probably know this more than most people. Yeah. Like, I, just going by some statistics that I have from last time StatsCan um, updated their information. The tourism yep. industry in Kingston employs, um, employs over 390,000 people and contributes 32.7, um, oh, sorry, this is provincially, and contributes 32.7 yep. million to Ontario's GDP, which ranks seventh yep. um, in Ontario for industries. So yep. that's the provincial context. Can you put that into the yep. Kingston context? See, I think a lot of people think, you know, Kingston is this public servant town and a town that relies on universities and colleges and whatnot. But I think that a lot of people perhaps miss how important the tourism sector is to Kingston. Yeah, it always comes down to how do you measure tourism? I mean, you can measure the direct number of jobs that, that we have last season's maximum payroll was 125. And we're Kingston's largest private sector tourist attraction. Both attract more people than than the fort or the penitentiary tours or that type of thing. Um, but then there's all the, all the spin-off related um, positions. So you know, the figures that I've heard over the years with uh, working with Tourism Kingston and Economic Development Commission is um, uh, five to 7,500 uh, 7, uh, jobs directly related to the tourism sector uh, in, in Kingston. So. You know, our activity overlaps with, a, uh, my estimate, is about uh, 30,000 um, room nights in, in hotels. So uh, what are all of the number of people that are employed by hotels? What are all of the suppliers that are related to our business as well as restaurants and, and uh, retail uh, uh, downtown? I mean, it's, uh, it becomes a very large number. Yeah. Okay, so just on on perspective of you running a business now, how, yep. many, how many people would you normally have employed at this time of the year? And how many people do you actually have employed? Right now, I mean, we've had a phenomenal recruitment season. Again, we have to ramp up from a year-round employment of about 20, some odd, to 120. Uh, we were doing a lot, we're having lots of fun with what we call um, recruitment fikas, where we'd bring in a group of 10 people and have these informal interviews, uh, uh, looking to find uh, great personalities and great enthusiasm to match with our positions. So right now we would be, we were projected to start operations on Good Friday, which is next Friday. So right now we would have uh, about 45 maybe give or take uh, people employed getting ready for the season doing our our training our fitting out of, of the vessels all the marine mechanics um the trolley uh, uh, getting them up and, and and ready and the last minute painting and that type of stuff we're down to six or seven people right now wow so yeah that and, and that's 
you know, we're, we're, we're just looking at the various government programs that uh, your government has been uh, announcing. Even today, uh, Trudeau's announcement about how they're looking to look at the students that would be normally coming into summer employment uh, is an area that's not yet covered by the uh, uh, the employment benefits. But, uh, you know, that's a big area for us. But it's we're trying to see how, when, where we can possibly ramp up our employment with the support that uh, that your government's providing. You were one of the first people actually that reached out to me um, when the government started yeah. talking about um, payroll subsidy and the fact yeah. that it was at ten percent, whereas some of the yeah. other other countries had been had had been doing talking a lot closer to you know seventy eighty uh, percent. Yeah. Um, so. So I'm, I'm sure you're happy to see that it, it's increased to, to 75%. But what other yeah. things? What other things in addition to what you're seeing right now? Um, do you think that the government could be doing to um, help small businesses, in particular, in really vulnerable sectors like tourism right. this time? Workshare, workshare. So there's a workshare program that the government has, but it's not for seasonal employees. So I'm waiting to see that that gets changed because one of my big priorities this year, we have a huge issue with marine recruitment because the Transport Canada restrictions on the number of hours and days you have to have experience before you can even uh, write your licenses. If you'll notice that most of our captains have gray beards, <laughs> which means we have a retirement crunch coming up and we need to find new recruits. And this year we had three, possibly four fabulous recruits and they just need sea time. Uh, so we are going to have them work on, in hospitality to get their accumulated time, be able to write their exams so that they can be mates and masters for us in the years to come. And now we're just, we can't operate. So we're, uh, we're in a crunch there. So a work share program, what I'm envisioning with, with those recruits is, okay, we bring them in and uh, you know, pay them you know, 40% of regular full-time and EI on 60% uh, or, or some ratio in there. And so that we actually give them the training, even though we have no revenue, no operations, we can give them the training and apply to Transport Canada, that training be equivalent to to see time. So that's a very specific example. Right, right, right. Um, but when we bring in 120 people for our, or it won't be 120 this year, maybe it's 80, um, that we won't have the volume uh, that we've had in years past. If we can put people on work share programs, so they would be able to get at least partial full payment from us and partial EI support. That would be terrific. So, okay, that's an interesting perspective. And, and the WorkShare yeah. program, which is one of those EI programs. So, yes. I, and I didn't really understand this until you mentioned it. So, the WorkShare program does not extend to seasonal employees as it is right Correct. now. Um, but right. the reason why you really want it is because you're, you have people that need to get a certain number of hours in. And yes. so they need, and, but you can't do that because you can't um, take them on full time right now. But that could be an opportunity. That could be an opportunity to to share it, and they could get the hours um, so that they're prepared for when they do come on full time. Okay, interesting. Yeah, so they need ninety days of sea time, and it could be just four hours a day right. or five hours a day. 
So what I want to do is I want the, and we're asking Transport Canada whether we can do this, notwithstanding the, that we have to cease operations, commercial operations until the end of June. I'm at, we're asking Transport Canada, can I send the Island Queen out on a cruise to nowhere with no passengers on board, but just have my trainees on board and they get training and sea time that will then allow them to get to 90 days in this year so that next year they can be uh, mates and masters and um, and the like so that we will have a business next year. Because that's the, one of the biggest constraints we have. It's, it's not a challenge necessarily to find people who can be servers on board the boat or, or trolley guides. It is a huge issue to find uh, marine staff. And this is an issue that that uh, the Wolf Island Ferry has and all the tour operators uh, uh, in the Thousand Islands and, and so on. So we thought we, we were so excited this year because we had some great recruits. Uh, yeah, no, so. that's, that's really interesting. I, I hadn't thought of it. Like yeah. that. Um, we'll, yeah. I'll make sure that I'll make sure that my office looks into that and we can follow up uh, on that. Because, I'll, I'll follow up with, with yeah, a note here. Because that's an interesting, uh, I mean, it only really affects tourism and, and marine specifically in that case, but I'm sure there are other examples. But if our boats, if our boats are tied to the dock, that means the largest attraction in Kingston isn't operating to full capacity. So it, it has a huge ripple effect. Um, and, and I know that we had, you know, it seems like it was just yesterday that yeah. I was I was fighting with the federal government to to finish this deal for the the um, um, the penitentiary so that the tours could be yeah. there the, this this summer <laughs> um, and then finally it was like this moment of like oh thank God that's been accomplished and now yeah. and now it's just yeah. totally wiped out completely right I mean yeah. it's it's it and and I mean you're you're talking about one sector that you're really being that's really being impacted within tourism but i mean when you you know and, and you mentioned uh, it earlier on when you think of all of the other layers of contractors and people that are contributing um to the sector it really has a massive impact in our community um yeah. the, the city of kingston um i saw this um recently in the week standard where they started to talk about um redirecting some money to because that accommodations fund is going to be limited in terms of there's no revenue coming in with all the hotels closed. Right. Um, so that's the, the tax that's added on to um, whenever you stay in a hotel for people that don't know yep. that money is then collected and then used yep. to promote Kingston. Um, right. Get more tourism to come in. But the problem that we'll run into is without collecting that money in February or, or sorry, March, April, May, and June, that fund yep. is really dried up. Um, is this, you know, the right direction for city council to be using this money? Do you think that more will have to be done? Like, how do we come out of this on the other side where we're in a strong position? Uh, just to clarify, the the mat has two thirds of it goes directly into tourism marketing. One third is into a development fund for things like financing the briar. I mean, thank God we got the briar in when right. we did because it was fabulous. Literally just in. Like, they, yeah. they, I remember they were still cleaning up the site where the, the patch yeah. was when some of yeah. these, these um, yeah. regulations, these um, uh, things started to come into place in terms of social distancing. So anyway, the good thing is 
the foresight on the the one third going into reserve for development things like the briar means that we do have the money. We don't have to take it out of the normal tax base uh, to be ready to relaunch to to fund a uh, renewed effort once we see the green light uh, to start marketing uh, again. So. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's again, it's the important point is it's not coming out of the main city tax fund. It's coming out of the accumulated developments fund, reserve fund out of the mat. Um, so no, I, I, it's, it really makes sense. I mean, ideally it would support another briar bid or something like that. But in this case, we need it now uh, but, yeah. when, when, when there is an opportunity to start. You wouldn't want to start marketing now. Uh, you want to mark it when the it's the visibility on when we're going to open up. So, do you think that there'll there'll be a need for um, municipal, provincial, federal governments to do even more on top of that? Like, how do you kickstart the tourism sector so that you know you come out of it pretty strong? Especially if if by the looks of it, it's going to be mid season at best in terms yeah. of when you come out of it. Well, I mean, it's uh, touched wood. We'll get I'm touching my desk. Here. Uh, we'll come out and be able to start generating some revenues in July and August, and and so on. And um, but we're a well-established business with long-time secure ownership that has been very prudent. And I'm really concerned about. Uh, a number of the restaurants, a number of the retail people in town. So that whole vibrancy of the diverse Kingston uh, experience that uh, that that is so wonderful. I mean, our K Pass, for instance, has 17 different experiences. Yeah. If well, I, I don't think we'll be able to to offer that this season, if the museums aren't back in operation, if the um, uh, if the penitentiary is not running, and, and uh, those other elements. So. That's about all about the, the, the vibrancy and, and diversity of, of downtown uh, that may be lost because a number of businesses will be will be out of business. And I don't know what 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 you can do about that. Uh, we are you are providing the wage support and and support for for student employment. And I from the prime minister's chat today, I think is it will be coming forward, which will be a great relief to people that we had, we had made commitments to for this for this season. Um, but for um, the, the government's providing $40,000 bridge financing through commercial banks, uh, not payable till the end of 22, that uh, help at the very 40000 doesn't last very long. So it's small. Uh, but tourism is uh, like a business like ours. We have a big fat zero revenue <laughs> for three months. Um, and that's, uh, that's a hard hit. Uh, so there, there are there are so many operations like ours that um, I don't know where you start in, in making sure that they're there for the rebound when it comes next year. Uh, I've um, I had a chat with the minister's office, um, um, Minister Jolie's office uh, contacted me, and I said you know, one of the priorities might be re-looking at how tourism works in, in Canada. Do we want to focus on the iconic Toronto, Niagara Falls, Ottawa, 
or do we want a, a, a revamping of a different type, a different form of tourism, looking at that maybe international travel is going to be a lot less than it was? Are people going to be coming from Europe and China and Asia uh, the way they were? I don't think so. Yeah. So it, it, it needs a, a rethink um, that is more real about communities rather than the linchpin icon sites as a suggestion. Uh, so, and I hope that, that no, go ahead. Finish that thought. Yeah, I just I, I hope that that uh, the, the government and uh, uh, Madame Jolie's office, uh, working with Destination Canada, uh, will look at okay. Here's an opportunity for a complete reset. That's the way we're looking at it as a business. What's our our what are we going to look like a year from now? Uh, and this is an opportunity to uh, reset how our business. Uh, we'll go from go forward from here, and I think we should be doing the same thing in the larger picture of the tourism in Canada and in Ontario. And so that brings me to my last thought on this. I've been seeing yep. over the last few weeks, you know, these Facebook memes and stuff out there where people are basically saying, yep. "Hey, when we get out of this, it's time yep. to invest in Canada, spend your money in Canada, take your trips in Canada." Yep spend yeah. like you know don't spend money you know by going on a cruise somewhere like spend it here locally to prop up you know our 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 businesses that have suffered through this what are your thoughts on that yeah. cuz that's basically where you're going with this yeah i mean it's uh i i think international travel is going to be massively affected uh, by this um for at least two or three years so yes uh, rediscovering uh, Canada is, is an important part, and you know that's the way that that you know the Prime Minister's message every day is well received, and Doug Ford's message every day is well received. We're uh, we're getting good leadership in uh, in, in Canada right now, and I, I think that uh, if we come out of this sooner than than other developed nations, then uh, I, I think that we'll have a very stronger sense of national identity that will be helpful for uh, uh, for tourism. Um, and before you just sign me off, I just wanted to, uh, Mark, thank you because, you know, you and I have always had this debate where I fiercely believe in local representation uh, and whether it's been on the penitentiary or on this issue or your engagement with me on uh, some of the things I've been, been raising uh, to you, uh, I love it that local representation means our voices can be heard in uh, in, in Ottawa. So, uh, oh. Kudos to you and thank you. I appreciate that. Listen, um, my last uh, um, question would be: What would be your words of advice? You know, somebody who has been in the in you know the the business for um, you know what did you say three decades, four decades? Which is it? Three decades here in Kingston and one up in the Ottawa Valley. So you've yeah. been you've been at business yeah. a long time. You've been through recessions. You've yep. seen stuff like this happen. What would your advice be to some of those businesses that are just, you know, maybe four or five years into it or just starting out and are now faced with this? I, I'd say really understand your finances, uh, your cash flows. What your long-term projections are, what your credit facilities are, uh, be very realistic. Uh, always uh, budget on the on the basis of um, unambitious, not ambitious 
expectations, uh, baseline funding, baseline budgeting, uh, watching your your uh, uh, credit channels. Because in a case like this, man, you can get wiped out very easily if you're if you're not well protected and uh, have looked at those those elements years in advance. All right. Okay, Hugh. Thanks a lot for taking the time. Thanks, Mark. There you have it, folks. That was a conversation with Hugh McKenzie, operator of Kingston Thousand Island Cruises right here in Kingston and the Islands. Thanks a lot for tuning in, and we look forward to bringing you future episodes in the coming days.